Thank you, Dr. Okechuku. Still on the topic of leadership, we will be talking to Valentine Gitoho, the chairperson and co-founder of the African Council for Accreditation and Accountability. Her passion is for engaging Christians in meeting their God-given vision and mission in areas of governance and leadership. And today she's going to talk to us specifically about accountability in leadership. She'll be joining us from Kenya over Zoom and we'll be talking to Offense from Ziwani. Thank you. I am joined this morning by Ms. Valentine Jitoho, all the way from Nairobi, Kenya. Uh, amongst the many other roles, Valentine is also one of the co-founders and the current chairperson uh, of the African Council for Accreditation and Accountability. Mama Valentine, karibu sana, and you are very much welcome and really looking forward to hearing from you this morning. Thank you very much. To begin our conversation this morning, won't you tell us a little bit more of your story? Uh, what are some of those things that have shaped you and ultimately gotten you to this place where you are passionate about accountability? Uh, but even before I became a Christian, I used to work with Pricewaterhouse. And uh, one of the things that we used to do, because being a consultant then, I was a tax consultant, you had to be accountable for every 15 minutes of your time. And why that was important is that when, the time, when you fill in your timesheets and you bill the client, then you also have to collect the fees. So if you're not accountable to that, then you're in, you're in problems. So for me, uh, performance was very much based on the, on, on the work that we used to do. Then I worked in the corporate sector and I worked with Dennis, the CAD, the CAD uh, organization, the Dennis Club, and we became a finance organization. And in there, the issues of integrity were extremely, extremely high uh, to the point that I challenged auditors, I challenged, I challenged systems because um, we became a finance company. So I even challenged the central bank. You know, it, it, it got to that extent because you know, it, it had to be win-win. And, and as long as rules are there, they're there to be followed. And they were late, you know, somebody discussed about them and there was something good about them. So let's keep to it. Then moving to the church, um, I became uh, one of the uh, church secretary of the council. And one of the things I asked immediately when I took over the position was, could I have the constitution so that I can see the constitution of the church so that I can follow it? And everybody was looking for it. And I was wondering, how come we're looking for it? It's supposed to be something that we should all have. And I took copies and gave everybody <laughs> copies of the constitution. Some of them had been in church in the council for a long time and I'd never seen it. Valentine, uh, as one of the visionaries behind the African Council for Accreditation and Accountability, we would like to hear a little bit more about this exciting initiative and why it was established. In 1995, I used to sit on a council, on a commission of, of the AEA, the African Evangelistic Association, and it was all about accountability. And we're trying to figure out how can we make the various members of the, um, of the, of the, the membership of AEA, how can we work on their accountability, improve, enhance their accountability? At that time, I was also a board member of one of the ECFA uh, accredited organizations, that's Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability in the US. And I understood the various standards and I enjoyed uh, just learning what it meant to be accountable. 
So it was one of the things that were brought up in, within our commission to see how it is that we can be accountable. But somehow that didn't take place at that particular time. But I still held it in my heart because I used to be an ecumenical enabler of the councils of churches in Africa through the World Council of Churches. And I noticed the various capacity gaps that existed, especially not only in the financial issues, also in areas regarding talent management, the staffing, the leadership and governance issues, the learning and innovation issues, and um, thought that this is something that we need to do. So in 2012, I was invited uh, for, for a meeting to set up a trust fund for Africa for missions. In, uh, it, it was called the Mission to Africa Trust Fund, and I was invited in Ghana to go and speak there. And I said, I'm not involved in missions. Uh, but I would be interested to see how anybody who is getting funding, any Christian organization that is getting funding would actually meet a couple of standards in order to ensure we truly, truly are organizations that are trustworthy. We are churches that are trustworthy. We are Christian-owned businesses that are trustworthy in the way that we handle our organizations. Note, I'm talking about organizations. It's not about money. It is organizational discipleship. And it is there that I did the first presentation of what I thought an Africa Council for Accreditation and Accountability would be. And with a team of other friends, we all got together. And in 2015, uh, the Africa Council for Accreditation and Accountability was established. So the gap was between the word and the work. <laughs> uh, we, we, we had done a lot of consultancies um, around Africa. And I noticed that we always have these meetings that we start off with prayer and we are speaking in tongues and all kinds of things. But when we get into the work, there's such huge gaps. And um, for me, being a consultant, you only have three, a couple of days there. So I used to pray a lot for the Lord to show me exactly what is going on. And it is in then that I saw where the gaps were and people used to get amazed. I mean, I've even gone and spoken to auditors and asked them, why did you give a clean audit report? And yet you knew that this was there. For us was Matthew 5.16, that we truly will be the light. We truly will be the light and um, that many will be attracted to Christ because of the good deeds of the organizations that we run. Not only because they're successful, but because the individuals in there, in there come from families, they come from communities, they come from churches, they come from various places of influence. And we will then uh, encourage pu public trust and bring about public trust in Christian organizations and remove the shame for Christ. And the ultimate goal is to unlock Africa's potential through adherence to biblical standards. That is so exciting, Valentine. Uh, well done to you guys on establishing this uh, very much needed initiative uh, here in our continent. Uh, yeah, really brilliant, uh, brilliant, uh, and salute to you guys. Uh, but one of the things also, Valentine, uh, you are someone who has been quite involved uh, in the space of business as a marketplace leader. You have been involved there. Uh, but you've also been very involved in church and in ministry. Uh, in many ways, you are a minister. Uh, and really just want to hear from you, uh, how has this given you a perspective into work and faith integration? One of the things uh, that comes out very clearly is that uh, you cannot, unless you are, you cannot be a disciple and you cannot be a disciple. You cannot be a leader unless you are yourself a disciple. So it starts with me and who I am. 
And um, so for me, I do have prayer days, very, very important. Even when I was employed, every uh, quarterly, I'll be away for a retreat on my own, just reflecting and having time with the Lord and growing. Uh, Bible study, we have Bible studies ongoing, even as a couple, because it all starts at home. We're so supposed to start with our testimony from home. There's no point of being out there as a Christian leader or whatever, and you don't have a testimony at home. And then I have accountability partners uh, around me, uh, individuals and uh, in many other forums so that I can actually walk, uh, walk the talk as it were. That is very good. That is very good. <laughs> uh, so Valentine, uh, one of the issues that always comes up uh, whenever one's, one begins to talk about the future of Africa is this whole aspect of good leadership and the need for good leaders, right? As we begin to dream about the future of the continent. Uh, one of the things we know, of course, is that you and your husband are very much involved, very much hands-on in this world of raising up the next generation. Uh, and the question I would really love to find out from you is, uh, what are some of the things that you and your husband would like to instill in the next generation? Uh, and maybe perhaps things that the next generation doesn't always quite grasp quite yet. First of all, we need to understand what this next generation is all about. And for us, for the past, I think since 2000, we've really engaged with the younger generation from when they're around just the beginning of their teens and then all the way to the universities and others now who are working in the working profession at different phases in their lives and we do different things with them. And what we have found that this generation is actually suffering because of the parents. Some of them come from families that are broken, some of them single parenting, some of them just the environment that is harsh. There's a oppression of, of some nature. So first of all, trying to understand the environment from which the children come from. Some of them are from very, very wealthy families. They, they, they are like, you know, when can my parents die? I inherit all this. So we, we try, one of the biggest things we try and do is give them a long-term perspective. And we do that through goal setting. It's one of the tools that we use. We have, we have both uh, been trained with Haggai International. I'm a faculty, uh, international faculty of Haggai International in leadership. And I teach goal setting, the whole thing about your personal vision, your personal mission and goal setting. And we actually use it as a, as a tool just to try and figure out where you're at. What are you thinking about uh, your role with your parents, your role as a family, your role in, in finances, your role in, in what are your friendships, what are the people around you? In fact, it's a wonderful thing because it makes them think wider than just let's make money, let's do this or whatever it is. It's, it's, it's bigger. What are you doing about your health? You know, how are you eating? You, you know, it's a temple of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, we do it with non-believers and end up even having people dedicate their lives to Christ because of this kind of discussion. So that is one of the things that we do. Let them have a long-term perspective. And many of them, because when they start, all they want to know is about their careers. And they say, you know, life is beyond the career. The career will end. The career will come along. Your education is important. But there are other things that are working along as, as you go through this. So we bring that a holistic kind of approach to them. The other thing is that uh, and my son, our son, we've got two children. They're adults and they're all married. Uh, the self-centeredness and the, due to the effect of the social media, the I generation, the I, I think, I want, I like, I have, I'm not as good as so-and-so. There's a lot of that which is self-harming. We call it the idolatry of self, that is self-harming. And it makes it hard to reach out to them. So we have this 
ways of the ability to connect and, and, and create atmosphere, atmospheres that they can connect. And uh, so one of the ones like now for those ones who are working, we, we do have a program that we, by Fort Taylor, in fact, I, I think one of, one of uh, it was introduced by one of you from, from South Africa, Patrick Kuana. Of, to us in, in Kenya on transformation leadership. So that has been a, an incredible tool because it helps them look at themselves first and see where are they and what is it that they're hurting? What is in their hippocampus? What are those things that they've carried throughout their lives? Help them, help them go through that and then how that impacts even the way their work culture, their ethical culture and the various cultures so that they may be productive. So we're looking at long-term leaders. You're creating leaders, but using biblical principles as, as we move along. How can leaders be a part of building a different culture, building a more God-honoring culture? If you look at who are, who, who, who are, what is the leadership that we have right now and with regard to corruption, we are kind of like in Africa, Probably going, most of our countries, uh, we're going through um, between just about 50 years of independence around that time. And thinking about, we had the colonial uh, masters, and then we had the first wave of our people who, who came in and took over and tried to establish uh, nations and grow the nations. We took over from the, from the colonialists. Then we had a second wave. And I think something happened there that changed. Uh, of course, we are in different uh, countries and it may be different for you. And uh, the issue, first of all, of just injustice, just oppressive injustice. Some of the things that we, whatever is all, whatever we have for the country is held by a very, very, very few. And they want to keep it to themselves and they actually make laws around it just to ensure that it remains within them. That creates an area of serious corruption. When we have few resources for which to share, immediately there is something there and it creates that environment of corruption. The second one is the whole area of just being the norm. And this is the worst thing that I've encountered because even the young people, I remember going once uh, talking to a school and talking about careers and asking, so what do you want to do now in future? And they said, we want to do procurement. You know, <laughs> why? Everybody wants to go and do study procurement in university. And I'm wondering, why do you want procurement? Because that's what, the way we make money. Before, we wanted people to be engineers, we wanted to get into other trade, other um, kind of professions. But now it's where can we make money? That's when I realized, oh my. Not only that, uh, the parents, again, going back, again, the stories of corruption, starting from schools, whereby um, the, 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 the leadership in schools, the parents are actually even getting bribes to try and bring in, uh, give the results, give the examination papers and give the results. Now, and then we move all the way. I mean, when you think about that, that's the whole of the education system. When you think about the police, the justice system, it's all in there. The, the, you know, you might have, I don't know what we call them, matatos. Uh, in the transport industry, and you find also the police and the people who are supposed to be looking at the legal issues also have these vehicles, and they also, they overlook certain things, and that's how corruption is involved. So when our national leaders are themselves also doing it, they cannot point a finger to anybody else, and they allow it because it helps them. So it is a continuation of the norm. It's, it's where can I eat? Going back to the Bible, 
It's first John 2, 15 to 17, to 17, loving the world and everything in it, the last of the flesh, the last of the eyes, the pride of life, and it has become systemic. But I, I, I don't lose heart. And that's why we invest in this generation. We must invest in the younger generation, saying there is an alternative view. That is not it. And God will bless you because of it, because he's sovereign. So this is not new. What we're seeing is not new. And yes, there are changes now, quite a number of changes that have come through. And, um, but there are, are fights. Some people have got to die for them. But we will come through as, as a continent. We will. Valentine, uh, thank you so much. Asante sana. Uh, it's been such an incredible privilege hearing from you. Asante sana. Nashukuru. God bless you.